So really walk through and identify what the risks are. It shouldn't be for the purpose of not doing it. It should be for the purpose of having your eyes open. Hey, listeners, welcome to the new Center for Generosity podcast. I'm Mitzi Schaefer, a consultant with GSB Fundraising and your host um, for most episodes. And on each episode, friends, we're going to do a couple things. We're going to work to equip our generosity leaders by tackling a single topic related to growing generosity. And together, we're going to answer those three most critical questions for success And we're going to do that without wasting your time with a bunch of fluff. So today I am super excited to welcome Ann Rick McFarland, who is a consultant with GSB Fundraising. Ann is, um, I got to say, she's she's like a hero to me um, because she really does, um, she really does practice what she preaches, but she also has a huge long, wonderful history of helping organizations. So I want to tell you a little bit about Anne. Um, she's been described by colleagues as inspirational, motivating, transparent, a great communicator, and a visionary, all while treating people with the utmost respect. And I have to say, I agree completely. Anne concluded more than 30 years of senior leadership with a statewide social service organization. And in 2018, she was elected to the South Dakota Hall of Fame for her contributions to the field of human services. During Anne's years of senior leadership in the nonprofit sector, she had direct experience working with boards of directors, leading teams, developing people, and creating a strong culture built on trust and mutual respect. That's why we call Anne when there's a crisis. She has also served on a number of nonprofit boards and as a chair of her congregation, helping lead and guide major governance um, reorganization. So Anne, I am so excited to have you here today. Again, you really are one of my heroes um, and you just know so much about crisis management. I'm so glad to have you here as we start that topic. Thank you. Thank you, Mitzi, and I'm delighted to be here, and I actually wish I didn't know as much about risk management as I do. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that I totally get. Oh, my gosh. And I bet there are people um, who are listening to us thinking, I wish I didn't have to know. I didn't have to learn more about it. So, um, listeners, let me just tell you real quick before we dive into today's topic, um, we just finished up a series on being donor first and what it means to make deposits with our donors um, over and above the number of withdrawals that we want to make into that relationship. And now we're starting um, a five week, is it five weeks? Uh, No, four weeks, sorry, four week series on crisis management. And so we're going to be talking with some different folks um, in the field about how to manage crisis. But Anne is going to be with us a lot because she really is an expert um, on this. And so we're grateful to have her here with us today. And today's topic to get us started well in our crisis management series, Anne's going to answer our three most important questions about a risk assessment, how to assess the risk 
for your organization. So Anne, are you ready? I'm ready. Awesome. Okay. So our first of our three questions today is what in the world is a risk assessment and what does it evaluate? Yeah. So a risk assessment is sort of a fancy way of saying um, it's really a process that we use to, that you take through your organ, take your organization through to identify those things or those situations or processes that can cause you harm and things particularly um, related to your people, but also around your reputation and maybe even your physical plant. So the goal of a risk assessment is really to answer the following questions. What can happen and under what circumstances? What are the consequences of something happening? How likely is it that this situation might occur, you know, kind of a high, medium and low? Mm. And then is the risk controlled or is further action required? So you know, there are kind of three tentacles here under the risk assessment, the goal, and then the purpose of doing a risk assessment is really to position your organization to be prepared, you know, prepared for various situations that could occur as you're serving your mission and to keep your people safe. So you're doing it to prevent or minimize risk. You're doing it to, to raise awareness awareness of what's possible in terms of what could go wrong. And I know we're always focused on what can go right, but this is sort of looking at it in, in that way. Mm-hmm. It, it, it will um, give you information to provide um, so you know what training and needed resources to make available to your staff or users of your service. Um, so you have appropriate processes in place to manage through those situations, and then to also ensure that you're in compliance with any regulatory expectations that might be unique to your organization. Yeah, that, that's a, um, that's a huge list (laughs) of things for folks to, um, to consider as a part of the, the risk assessment. Um, and those are the things that it evaluates. Mm-hmm. Can, you, can you give us some examples or a yeah. example? Yeah, I, I'm thinking, you know, I think people are like, well, you know, I don't think we have that much risk, but okay, let's just think of like, for example, if your organization supervises children, whether you're mm-hmm. have a daycare, whether you're a camp counselor, whether you're, you know, providing um, Bible school, yeah. whatever the case may yeah. be. So what could happen? You can have a fire. Um, we live in South Dakota. We have tornadoes. Mm. Um, you can have um, inappropriate interactions. You can have injuries. You can you're you're preparing and serving food, so you've got choking and food allergies. You know you have questions maybe around the kinds of information you're teaching them. Your disciplinary interventions. Um, you know today with the pandemic, especially. We're reevaluating and re-strategizing our methods for sanitation and all of those kinds of things. So the consequences, major. I mean, everything from an allegation of maybe an inappropriate, um, you know, interaction with a child to even a death. How likely? High. I mean, you're you're working. You've got children, and you're they're active, and so you know, how high is an allegation? I'm not sure. 
How high is the likelihood of an injury of some sort? Probably very high. You know, so how do you manage that in terms of controlling the risk? So let's just talk about fire. Do you do fire drills? Have your staff and children been trained of what to do in the case of a fire, where to go, how to evacuate, same with, with weather. Do you have a, you know, a process for when an allegation of inappropriate interactions has occurred? What you wanna know is that you've got protocols and processes that you can follow. So when these things come up, it's sort of a routine part of doing business, even though none of this is at all routine and it's not why you show up each and every day, but you really need to be sure that you've got these in place so you're positioned to respond and react appropriately. Bad things can happen in good organizations but you survive based on how well you, you react and respond. Yeah. And I, I think what's really interesting about that, when you talk about are the protocols and the policies in place, what I find for a lot of organizations is they do have policies and procedures in place. They're just not paying attention to them. They're not writing. They're not looking at them. They're not training. They're not practicing. And so having this assessment will give them an opportunity to say, okay, it's like pulling that document out and dusting off the, you know, the, the dust. Right. (laughs) Exactly. This, are we doing this? Is this what we're doing? But also, do you have that policy in place? is critical as well. Yeah. And are people trained? Yeah. It's sort of like a strategic plan, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we did that. Let me see, where is it? I can't find it. You know, it has to, these, these have to be practices that you're really living into Mm -hmm. uh, regularly um, as part of, as part of doing business and doing business well. Yeah. And I, I think the other piece that I find really helpful and important too, in a social services organization, especially if it's regulated by the government in any way or accredited, you do have to practice and you have to show that you've practiced and you have to document that in your human resources that every person had the training and every person, you know, checked off these boxes. Mm-hmm. But if you are not regulated, then you don't have anybody kind of looking over you. Right. To, to say, hey, you got to make sure. And so you have to be self-aware as an organization to, to know that and to be able to do that. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so Anne, uh, great content, um, lots of stuff in there. I, I just want to real quick for our listeners, let them know if they're feeling overwhelmed by the amount of things that are included in a risk assessment, just know that you can find tools for conducting a risk assessment in the Center for Generosity. So we're not leaving you high and dry. It is there for you um, and it can walk you through what you need to include. But to keep us moving for today's podcast, I wanna wanna get into the second question. And so our second question today is all this information, all of these questions that need to be answered and who's responsible for a risk assessment in an organization? So I think it it depends. That's a really clear answer, right? But it really (laughs) does depend. I mean, if you're, depending upon the size of the organization and and their roles and responsibilities, you know, it might be an internal person. It might be a key person internally, or maybe even a, a team of people 
who are assigned this role and responsibility. But in some situations or in some organizations, you may want to get an outside person because internally we know what we want to see. We know that staff are trying their best, they're working hard, and we will find reasons to give credit where, frankly, credit is not due. Mm. This is, again, about um, mitigating risk or managing risk. It's not about good, bad, right, wrong. You know, it's really, a, if you want to use in the terms of leadership, it's really a development tool. It's just a means for you to do better. So it requires a party who can be objective and does have a certain skill set to do this well. I know in some organizations, they wonder if it's the board's role. And from my perspective, no. Mm. Capital letters and O. Oh, wow. And I do believe it's the board's responsibility to ask the question every year in conjunction with their CEO or executive director's annual review, whether or not this has been done and to ask to see the results. Absolutely. The board's job generally is oversight, it's governance, it's program evaluation. What better way to evaluate programming in terms of health safety, you know, risk management than through this process? The other thing that the board's job is, is to make sure they have a risk risk, um, management portfolio Mm -hmm. with the right kind of insurances. And I know I was speaking to someone recently about managing risk and they said, well, we have insurance. And I'm like, well, having insurance isn't the same as managing risk. Mm -hmm. It is a safety net in a, you know, a financial aid to make sure that if something should happen, you've got some coverage. And so your financial situation isn't completely diminished, but having insurance in no way mitigates your risk. Right. But that is part of the board's role. And through the risk assessment, they may see, well, we've never had cyber insurance, but maybe that's something we need to have now. We've never had flood insurance, but you know, flood it, you know, the opportunity for flooding because of something changing is now higher than it used to be. So that's to me where the board's role comes in, uh, rather than, um, you know, actually being the ones to do the, to do the assessment. Yeah, that's a great distinction. Um, I think sometimes, um, depending on the size of the organization and how their board functions or how grown up they are as an organization, mm-hmm. it can get a little muddy. And so having that clarification is really helpful. And, and I also like the, the point about bringing in someone from the outside, because it is hard when you're doing the day-to-day operations of something, you get kind of numb sometimes mm-hmm. to what's going on. Um, and you, you have these assumptions about your staff who you know and trust that yes. things aren't going to happen. Um, but that's when things can get sloppy and, and that's when tr- trouble can happen. And so I, I really appreciate that concept of being somebody from outside to help you, you do that. Yeah. And the other piece of it is no matter who you are in the organization, if you're one of those key players, at some point, something is going to affect you and your leadership and your oversight. And so you have to really be mature 
to be able to acknowledge that, oh my gosh, I missed this. And therefore everyone on my team missed this too. And so I think the, you know, the, the, the really, the, the validity of it is, is stronger if it can be kind of a third party to just help you really objectively walk through it. Yeah. I think that's so powerful. Um, and maturity is a great word. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so let's, um, let's get into our third question, which is actually a big one. Um, and so I imagine it's going to expand a little bit, but that's okay. We're going to roll with it because this is all really great content. And I know if our listeners are dealing with the crisis um, right now, they are longing for help. And so we want to make sure we're giving it to them. Um, but you have all this data, right? You have this assessment. You, you have this knowledge now and information that is, you know, on a piece of paper, what do you do with it, Anne? Yeah. Run the other way, right? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I think that's part of the problem is that all too often people are like, well, we've done that before and it really didn't make any difference. Well, it didn't make any difference because they weren't willing to sit down and really synthesize the information in terms of what it meant Um, What are the trends? What impact does that have on processes, on people, on training, on a a variety of things? So you, well, one of the best pieces of feedback I got once from an outside party who was looking at some of our risk, Mm -hmm. we were in a large nonprofit supporting people with disabilities and they acknowledged that we did just a super job anytime there was an allegation of abuse, neglect, and exploitation. We had great mm-hmm. processes, protocols, training, et cetera. Where we fell short, so every individual situation, they gave us like an A plus, but they said, now, what, trend, what, what trends did you see from this? And we're kind of like, well, what do you mean? Well, what were, you know, we had multiple statewide organization, multiple locations. Does this generally happen in a group home setting or in the day services? Mm. Does it generally happen overnight or, you know, during the day? Uh, And the list of things goes on. We didn't look at it systemically. And so um, we, although we were looking at those individual situations very well, we weren't stepping back and looking at the big picture. Mm. And by looking at the big picture, it helped us realize that, yes, usually these things happen during overnight where you don't have very many eyes in the Mm -hmm. building and and the list of reasons goes on. So that was really insightful. So in addition to whoever you ask to pull together the information, I think then getting it in front of a team who can synthesize the information and look at it on a kind of a broad systemic level is, is really, really important. And I also think it will help you drive it. It will help drive how often you do these assessments. Okay. Oh, I think at a minimum, just a general good practice is at least annually, but Mm -hmm. really the answer is it depends have you had multiple injuries on the playground? Well, if so, you best get in there and at least do a fairly targeted assessment of what's happening in the playground environment. Is it the equipment? Is it the amount of supervision? Is it, um, you know, what is it? The number of children who are in the area, et cetera. 
Um, sometimes you may want to um, do a, an assessment when you're thinking about implementing a new program or a new process. So we're going to expand, you know, we're going to expand our services to include a swimming program. Well, okay, there's risk, right? Yeah, okay, so really walk through and identify what the risks are. It shouldn't be for the purpose of not doing it. It should be for the purpose of having your eyes open, mm -hmm. that there are swimming pools, but you are going to want to have CPR and emergency equipment available, and people are going to need to know protocols, and you're going to have to have specialized training, and the list goes on. Mm -hmm. And as well, you may want to do a, a, another assessment when you're going to modify existing programs. So, you know, there are kind of these different layers, but it should be a part of your organizational language that while you're doing good, don't deny and don't ignore that there are risks in your organization. That's why you have hiring practices. That's why you have a financial audit or a review every year. And we think about those things. Well, everyone has an audit or a financial review. Well, everyone should as well have an organizational audit or an assessment to really look at where they're, they're at risk. And it's, again, not for the purpose of doing wrong, but really for the purpose of enhancing your ability to do right. And really, um, you know, really honoring that mission. Your mission is too important not to be ad addressing it, you know, in a proactive way. Right. And, and a couple of things um, came up for me um, as you so eloquently answered that question. Um, and one of the things that sort of flashed for me from my own experience in the past was implementing performance and quality improvement or a quality assurance um, component into the organizational structure mm -hmm. that is tracking some pretty key baseline information on a monthly or consistent basis, which helps you see, oh, we are having a lot of accidents on the playground, or right. we do have, you know, in, in my own experience, the, one of the issues we found through that uh, implementing and adding that department into the organization was turnover was super high. Yeah. And that's a risk when turnover is high, that is a huge risk. And so it allowed us to reevaluate our training. It allowed us to reevaluate our pay scale. Right. Um, how many extra hours our staff was working um, during any given week. And we were able to decrease our turnover by 12%. Yeah. It, it's, it's better for the client ultimately. They have long relationships with them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think your point, you know, we identified staff fatigue mm -hmm. as a trigger for some of our events. We had workforce shortages. We had people working excessive hours. They have to have patience beyond patience on the best of days. And we, they mm -hmm. were so tired. They were making poor decisions. We were setting them up for failure. Yes. And really, in the case of my work, you know, some of their mistakes could ultimately have been career busters. I mean, right. there are just some things in our kind of business that you do, you'll never get a job in this kind of work again. Mm -hmm. What an unfair position to be putting 
not only the organization in, in, but those people as well. So this really can be a culture builder. You know, again, instead of thinking of it as a negative, well, your cup is half empty. No, quite the contrary. Our cup is half full. We is more than half full. It's overflowing. We believe in our people. We care about our people and we care about our customers and clients who are users of our service. Again, our mission is too important not to be protecting it. Yeah. Oh, so great. Um, and I could talk about this all day. (laughs) Yeah, I could too. Um, This is totally, totally my jam. Um, so thank you really, truly thank you for um, being here today for taking the time to answer these really critical questions. Um, my, my instincts are that our listeners are feeling overwhelmed. And so Mm -hmm. if you are feeling overwhelmed, if you are dealing with a particular crisis, if you are dealing with um, you know, something that you see glaringly obvious, um, or if you're like, oh my gosh, I have no idea where we are and we really need to do a risk assessment. Just know that you have access to those, um, resources that we have in the center for generosity, um, with, a with your subscription membership to the center for generosity. Um, but you also have access to office hours and, um, you have access to, Anne. I'm happy to help you with those kinds of questions too. Um, and so are our other, um, consultants. So feel free to jump on our calendars, um, in the center and don't go at this alone. I think that's the thing I really want you to hear. It is overwhelming. Um, Anne's talking from 30 plus years of quality experience, um, and you don't have to go at this alone. So next week, um, continuing our crisis management series, we are going to be talking about training procedures and who's in charge. So when a crisis happens, who's in charge and how do we keep the rest of the organization moving and going? And actually, that should be a fun week. Um, Paul Marsh, who you've met a couple times along the way, is actually going to be um, stepping in as our host um, for next week, and he'll be asking me the questions, which I'm kind of excited about. So uh, next week, training procedures and who's in charge with crisis management. So friends, um, if you are needing accountability and focus and tools and plans and just somebody to bounce ideas or problems off of. We hope that you will check out the Center for Generosity at www. Those are hard to say together. Um, Centerforgenerosity.com where you'll have access to weekly roundtables where we take deeper dives and Q&A time into different topics related to nonprofit leadership and fundraising. Um, But you'll also have access to our documents and video library and master classes and again, office hours. So give us a visit, check us out there. And if you are enjoying this podcast, um, subscribe, leave us a review or um, post, um, post this in your social media so that other folks in the nonprofit world can find it and benefit from it as well. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next week. Bye.